Money FM 89.3, best of weekends. COVID-19 has impacted people in many different ways, as we well know. And one of them we see here, especially in Singapore, is the supply chain issues that it's had with the Chinese factories being closed and borders being tighter than normal. Our guest with us, Chantel Travers, is the owner of Emperor's Attic, a store that sells Chinese antiques. And Chantel, good morning. Morning. How are you? Great. It's great to have you with us this morning. And most people don't think about some of the side businesses or the other businesses that are impacted by COVID-19. But you have seen an impact because your supply chain of antiques from China has been disrupted. Yeah. That's crazy. Tell us us about that. So, I mean, it's interesting because, you know, I've been doing this for kind of four years now. And I was just literally just having this revelation in the last week that I am like wholly reliant on China for my product (laughs) and China's in a complete shutdown and you know there's a lot of sort of things that are coming out of China people that I know in other businesses and industries that are being told oh no no you know we're back we're back we're back online and we're Mm. we're working and the reality is it's just not the case like everyone's running on a skeleton staff the factory workers are not back at the factories like they're still in their hometowns yeah. and their villages and you know it's a big deal to get everyone back to work in how, China. How much would normally come in for you in a given month or and, and um, how much is coming in We bring in several containers a year so you know every um, two to three months we have a, a container maybe either a 20 foot or a 40 foot so you know it can be kind of 50 to 100 pieces in mm. a container depending on the size. Yeah. So I, I'm sorry and at the moment that has completely stopped? Yeah, yeah. Wow. So we are still selling. Of course. So that's a good Your thing. Your existing pieces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, we were kind of worried about a downturn and, you know, would people be coming out? But we're finding what we're getting is less browsers, but lots of serious buyers. Mm. So people are still buying, but I do, I'm waiting. I, I do have backup plans. They're happening. But, you know, the stock is going to start to dwindle. Well, I'm curious um, now because we are Money FM and we have a lot of <laughs> entrepreneurs listening who deal yeah. with China. Without going too personal, what are your backup plans? Yeah, well, so my suppliers are selling to lots of people around the world. And so I've connected with some other people like me um, mm. that have warehouses in other parts of the world. And that's where I'm going to be shipping in furniture from. So it's same product, same suppliers, same look. You know, I'm not going to start doing things that I don't believe in and love. But yeah, so that's the backup plan at this stage. But again, global shipping is affected. So because all the containers are in China. So, you know, you've got delays of ships coming between like Canada and Mexico and places like that. Like they just don't have containers. There's product sitting in a mattress factory in, in Europe and, you know, they can't get shipping slots. Mm. But wow. client customers got the money, paid for the container, waiting for the goods, but they just can't get on. So we'll see. The plan, <laughs> I don't have a backup to the backup <laughs> at this stage, but, well, yeah. you know, my fingers are crossed. So, well, Chantal, tell us about the market for Chinese antiques yeah. in Singapore. I mean, look, antiques, especially with regards to kind of China, is what definition do you want to give it? I mean, if you're talking about fine, high-end antiques, those have not been allowed to be exported from China since the 90s. So mm. what we're talking about is is things that are a little bit more available that haven't come from kind of fine houses. They're not considered kind of Qing or Ming or Yuan or, you know, dynasty products. But so these are things that are old. Um, mm-hmm. We sell a lot of things that are over 100, 100 years old. We vintage kind of what we would call 60 to 80 years old and they generally come from the countryside. Mm-hmm. So they come from towns and, and villages in the country and they get 
kind of all collected up. But, you know, a lot of these towns and villages are getting knocked down or, you know, yeah. you mm. know. so those things are, there's just not the same value in China for these items that we have for sure. them. So they're kind of going off to these, uh, like my suppliers who are generally kind of smaller f- family-run factories. Um, I wouldn't even call them factories, call them workshops, really. Mm. And they get, you know, there's guys that have been doing this for 30 years. They, are, they have to take the whole piece apart. They re, you know, bits that are rotten, they kind of replace them with reclaimed wood and then they get sort of all sanded and made beautiful and then they get um, painted because we're all about colour mm. and what, what sort of, <laughs> for the layman like myself, what, yeah. what sort of Chinese pieces are we talking about? Um, cabinets, mainly okay. kind of sideboards, long sideboards, drawers. Imagine by your dining table yeah, yeah, having, yeah. you know, something to keep all like your platters and, you know, knives and forks and things like that for when your special guests come. And what is the sort of demand for this? Yeah, I mean, we um, mainly sell, I would say we're 60, 70% selling to expats. And then we sell, yeah, probably a bit more, probably more like 70, 80. And then about 10, 20% is to the local market. We tend to get a lot of, our biggest time is now, first six months of the year. I do 70 to 80% of my sales, mainly people that are leaving Singapore. So a lot of people, Uh, they want to take take a piece back. Yeah, yeah. yeah, So um, Yeah. Yeah. So um, not all of it, but it's quite a lot of that at this time of the year. So this is a really important time of year for me. Are people still buying? Maybe you just don't have the the amount of product available. Yeah, I mean, we still have a full store at the moment. So we and I still have stuff in the warehouse. But, you know, just based on the rate of sales and the fact that I have not seen any bill of loading coming my way (laughs) that, you know, I don't know when it's going to start to kind of fall off. But I'm fascinated by what you just said that the majority is 60-70% expat. You know, yeah, as someone yeah. who's got a retail marketing background, you've lived in other countries. Yeah. Is that a common phenomenon where there's sometimes a greater appreciation for a local culture amongst people who are not local primarily? I, I, I think so. I mean, I, I lived in Hong Kong for several years and I lived in Beijing and I think that, you know, we just have this romantic image of what yeah. you know these places are like and and you know you grow up and it feels mysterious and and you know different and I think but for you know it'd be like someone coming into a council estate in London and mm. going oh I love that MFI sideboard from the 80s that you've bought yeah, you know exactly. like we'd just be like have it you know, whereas in China, they're like, yeah, have it. And so we're like, great, we'll take it. Yeah, that's I genu- mean, slightly better made, no, have it, it to makes say, but- absolutely <laughs> perfect sense because I have personal experience of this because many of my books about Singapore are very much that, yeah. you know. Predominantly, Singaporeans buy my books, but it's a healthy number of expats because I'm talking about hawker centres and housing yeah. estates. But to an average Singaporean, it's, it's just a coffee shop. Yeah. It's just where we eat yeah. every day. It's not such a big deal. Yeah. So sometimes you do, you do need that, that third eye almost, don't you? That foreign eye, yeah. that, that outsider to come and go, no, actually, this culture, this furniture is actually really good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure you experienced that. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm tapped into the right market at the mm. end of the day. Mm. The right customers are coming to, to our store. So, you know... Uh, yeah. I mean, it's just funny because in China, I always just think of them as kind of going through what we all went th- like what we went through in the West or the developed world, whatever you want to call it. Not that China's not developed because they're like super developed now, especially Beijing and Shanghai. But it's more like the 80s, you know, like they're having their 80s. Yeah. So they're like, we want stuff new and we want it shiny. And we're, you know, we get rid of yes, those old buildings yes, and build, yes, build like, yes. you know, new snazzy buildings. And that's what was going on for us yeah. in the 80s. And now... 
we're coming back to kind of wanting mm. things that are old and you know and looking at more sustainable things but but the mindset in China and, and still in Southeast Asia is just not what I see personally. I mean, is yeah. I don't see that that's there yet. Chantal, your background and Neil's are pretty similar in terms yeah. of where you've come from. How did, how, how did that journey, you know, from Brixton in your case, yeah. how did that journey end up in Singapore? Yeah, just to set it up, I mean, we're from housing estates, the equivalent <laughs> of HDB in Singapore. We're yeah. both from public housing yeah. estates. But really rough ones. Really rough ones. <laughs> I'm from East London. You're from South London. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's not every day a South London and lady from Brixton ends up selling Chinese <laughs> antiques. So tell us your story. Yeah. Um, How did that transition happen? I mean, I think it was just a lot of luck. I mean, kind of now I look back at, you know, the sort of decisions that I made. I mean, basically I studied retail management, but then ended up going into advertising because it paid more. And so, you know, that was kind of important. I actually didn't go to university didn't have the sort of money for that. And so, you know, I did quite well in my career. I ended up backpack into Australia, didn't backpack, got sponsored, worked for three years, and then had actually lived in Singapore in 2002. I met my husband, who's from Australia. We went back to Sydney, and then we kind of, then he got offered a job in Hong Kong, and I became a trailing spouse and sort of followed him around. Um, we So we lived in Hong Kong for four years, hmm. then Beijing, and then we've been here for eight years. We're PR here. Yeah. Like, we're, we're going to be here for at least another 10 years. Until so, they kick you out. Yeah, I mean, we'll st- we'll, we've travelled until they kick us out. Like, gosh, just wait till after COVID because the best place to be is Singapore. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, well, it's come full circle a bit, isn't it? Yes. As, uh, yeah. as our conversation has, because I was going to ask you, do you think about that COVID-19 that, especially in your line of work, you, you get a bit frustrated because there seems to be an air of complacency elsewhere, which is coming home to roost now because you were talking about the shipping yeah. containers, you know, the whole thing. China sneezes, the world gets a cold. No one really seemed to pick up on that initially, did they, until now? Do you find that in your work? Yeah, I mean, I think I had that realisation and you just take it so for granted where everything comes from. Mm. And then you realise, gosh, you know, everything, almost everything is coming from China and it is for me. And, you know, yeah, I think, you know, and I was hearing lots of things like when the people were going out and kind of buying lots of toilet paper was, don't worry, Singapore's got diversified supply lines. And I was like, mm, I need to get me some of those. <laughs> like, so, you know, I just, it's definitely come full circle now. And, you know, and I think in the UK, I've, I'm suddenly getting lots of WhatsApps and, and messages. Oh, well, what's happening in Singapore now? And I'm like, we're good. Like you guys are well, we're you, better. You, we're not we're, quite good. Well, yet. we're not good, but we're we're, we're we're a lot better. But also, like you've had six weeks to get prepared. Exactly. Like, yeah. We were saying this. We've been saying this. Where's your containment measure? Did you not think it was going to like come across on the you know QF one? Like, so. And you take like we do. We've been saying. Do you take a bit of pride almost in Singapore that you know? Yeah. I, I'm saying to people in, in England and Europe, where's your hand sanitizers on yeah. public transport yeah. and platforms? You know, your soaps, what's your school program? What have you got in place about yeah. mass meetings? Six weeks and you're not prepared. And we almost provided a template, didn't we? We are the gold no, standard. Exactly. We, we are play- the gold standard. Chantal, how can uh, people find out more about uh, Emperor's Attic and, and what yeah. you're selling? Well, we stuff? have, we're on Instagram. You can check us out at Emperor's Attic. Facebook, we have, everything goes on Facebook as well. And our website, which needs a lot of updating. So don't go there. <laughs> go to Instagram. Yeah. All right. Our thanks to Chantal Travers, the owner of Emperor's Attic here in Singapore, selling fine Chinese antiques. So thanks for being with us on Weekend Mornings. Thank you for having me. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm 893 .sg or download the SPH radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.